Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. So we've been in a series. Pastor John started a series, and uh, he called it Focus. So different areas that we need to focus on. And um, the first week, he talked about inward focus. And last week, he talked about the imp importance of upward focus, where he talked about getting alone with God and the importance of prayer. He talked about the story of Jacob when he got alone, and he wrestled with God, and it completely changed his life. He ended up with a new name, a new walk, and a new relationship. And this week, we have had prayer here every night. So I'm happy to say that we had over 300 hours of prayer this week going out to our congregation, to the community, to the world. And like I said before, that's part of the battle, right? And so good on you guys for showing up. And um, I want to encourage you that it doesn't stop there because that's what happens. You, you show up, you actually make it a priority, even myself. And it's funny how your week works out so much better than you could have planned for, even though you were like shoving in a new thing. So I encourage you to try to make it part of your week every single week. So he's asked me, Pastor John, to close the series. So this is the last week you're going to hear about focus series. And um, I'm excited because it's outward focus. So when he told me that, it's extremely suiting for my role because I'm in the community and I'm also part of the Next Generation team. So it's very suiting and an extreme passion of mine. And many of you who don't know me, my story and my testimony are all because of this church and their community and their outward focus. So to me, it's always going to be this massive passion and what I think of when I think of the neighborhood church. So over the last couple years, I've been praying a lot about serving. And I know that that sounds silly in some ways, but I want this deeper culture of serving. And I'm trying to figure out how to do it here at the church, and I'm also trying to figure out how to do it inside here for me. And when you think serving, you're probably going to think immediate work. But by the end of my message, I'm hoping you understand that it's actually not just about that. So we have a great church. And lots of churches don't serve the way that we serve, give the way that we give. Um, so it's hard to think about it. But, and I'm proud of the church for that. But I still think that there's new and more. Like there's this next level that we can do. And so... And maybe not even collectively, maybe it's individually. I'm not too sure what it is yet. I think it's like a well-rounded thing. So before I get into it, I'm going to share a personal story with you. So um, some of you may have heard it. I don't know. But it's bits and pieces. But this September that just passed, I turned 40. And um, when you turn 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever age, I think, most people think, what can I do for the next 10 years? Like, what's something that I want to accomplish? Well, all it made me actually think about was when I was 30 and planned out what I wanted to accomplish. So what I was thinking is I was just reflecting on what had happened in 10 years, and like, you have to understand, in 10 years, none of these that I planned, okay? Every single one of my siblings got married. Everyone. I had five babies. My job changed, I went back to school, my daughter got married. All things that I did not even set out for for those 10 years. I became a Christian in those 10 years. 
Like, it is crazy to think, but I did have one goal. <laughs> one big goal, which will be now my new goal for my 40s, because I've fallen a little behind, but, and it was to become a runner. It's that simple. I wanted to run. Um, for those of you who don't know that, <laughs> don't know me, that was an extreme stretch for me 10 years ago. Okay, to even work out actually was a stretch, let alone thinking that I was gonna run. But I will tell you, it's hard. So if anyone here has ever run, it's extremely difficult, okay? Um, it's kind of like you're running in sand and you have a backpack full of weights on your back. Just try to picture that for just a second, okay? Because it actually makes you feel ill. Every kilometer further that you get in the beginning literally makes you want to throw up sometimes. So slowly, and I mean very slowly, I did get better though. So I started running with a 5K, which almost killed me. And then a 10K, which almost killed me. And then a half marathon, which almost killed me. You can see the theme. I kept going, right? But now keep in mind, every time I completed one of those distance, one of those distances, I told my mom and my running partner that there was no way I could ever run any further. So at the end of 5K, no way. There's th that's the most I can do. 10K, no, that's the most I can do. But every time I kept going up. Now, so then, what comes next after a half marathon? Well, I promised them it was never going to happen, but it did. So then I've decided, now I need to train for a full marathon. And what, I mean, the training is extremely intense, but what was the problem and the story that I'm going to share with you today is I hurt my knee in the training. I didn't actually fall or do anything. Like, to this day, I'm still not sure what was actually wrong with my knee. But I couldn't walk properly. I couldn't go up and down stairs. I was icing and heating it every day. I saw a physio. I was doing stretches. But I couldn't lose my kilometers. So if anyone knows when you're training, there's no way on Sunday I'm not doing more. It doesn't matter. It ruins your whole training. You have to do it, right? So even though they were telling me not to run, I still kept increasing my kilometers. And in hindsight now, I realize that was stupid. But I did keep going. So um, in a full marathon training, you actually only go up to 32 kilometers. So you're going to run 42 on the race day, but in the training, you actually only do 32. So there's this big stretch of unknown, right? That's 10 kilometers of unknown. So each Sunday, our kilometers would go up. We were like 18, 20, 27, 29, until it gets to 32. And I'd hurt my knee around the 18 to 20 kilometer stretch. So it was quite painful for the, a couple months doing all those runs. But I couldn't stay. I couldn't stop. I had to stay on track. And every weekend, we accomplished a little further. Now, the last one comes, the 32 kilometers. I'm going to share a picture with you. This is the furthest we would ever go on race day. And I know this is not my finish line picture, but this means just as much. I survived that 32-kilometer run with my friend and my mom and, like, could still walk. So <laughs> she's like, it's a big moment. I love this picture. I don't know why. It's just it was a big day, and it rained, and everything worked perfect that day to make me finish it, and that was that day. So all that pain that went into the training, the actual race day came. So the Saskatchewan Marathon came. 
And I actually felt really good that morning when I woke up. My knee wasn't hurting. It wasn't bothering me for the first time through all the training. And it was a very tough race, very tough. But I'm so happy that I did it. I'm so happy that I went through all that training. I got to the top of this hill, which I'm going to show you a picture, which might not mean a lot to you. It was a very special moment for myself. But when I got to the top of the hill, this is down by the river, um, and looked out just into like how incredibly beautiful this place was. And I know it's just our river. It's nothing fancy. But it was breathtaking to me in that moment. In that moment, I actually felt like I was on top of the world. I knew the race was almost over, and you know there was lots of people who didn't sign up for that race that day, didn't finish that race, but I just felt this amazing beauty that was all around me, and I'm not saying it in a prideful way at all, okay? Because I'm not a good marathon runner, I'm not a good long distance, I'm not fast, but I stretched myself through that training and that day, and I felt like this was God's reward to me in this moment. I got to see that view and feel that way, and it was, you're welcome, Yasmin. Good job. And this isn't even the finish line. So no matter what my time was, I just wanted to finish the race. But this moment was amazing. And I finished. My whole family was there. They were cheering me on. They had signs. It was an amazing feeling. And this was us crossing the finish line. Right there. This is when it was on Pine House, so it was actually right past the church, the finish line. Um, you'll notice that my mom isn't there because she's 20-something years older than me, and she beat me. So <laughs> she's actually not with us because we did like an hour longer than her <laughs> race. But there it is. I still at least got to finish, so, so that was good. So I was super excited to get that medal, like so pumped. We were so proud of ourselves. And I remember my kids saying to me, well, is it first or silver or like what? I'm like, no, it's a participation medal. And I was like so excited. They don't get it. They don't get how much sweat and blood and blood literally went into that medal. Um, but it was just amazing. And I felt like it was this new door that opened up in my life. It was so strange. It's hard to explain. Um, just of something I was going to get to enjoy for the next season of my life. And although I've kind of not done it for quite some time between having children and stuff, um, I want to get back to it because it really was good. And every time I see that medal on my wall, I remember how hard and how awkward it was and how much it stretched me. And so it was a reward. It was a rewarding experience all around. And not just the physical part, okay, because of course there was benefits to my physical body, but it was a mental thing, and it gave me this time alone to really think and to pray, and I felt so incredibly close to God. Like, when I'm outside, that's when I feel the closest to our Creator. So all that really helps me feel connected. But there was also relationships I made when we were running in the community. There was the running community. Like, they're amazing people. They're so supportive. There was the closeness that I gained with my mom and my running partner. Uh, I mean, it, it was just great. And the reason I start with this story is because I really think that I can use it to talk to you about serving today and outward focus. I feel like it relates because as I think about running, it reminded me of something that I saw in a theory in bio biology. So stick with me here. And it's called the adjacent possible. 
And it basically means when you bump up against boundaries, you learn and grow. And you press through these boundaries and new doors open, new adjacent possibilities become possible. So they become possible realities. And I heard it explained like this. For a, ch for a kindergarten child, algebra is not an adjacent possible because they're prerequisite steps that they have to take. They have to do some addition, some subtraction, and then they get to bump into multiplication and division. Same on a chessboard. Anyone who plays chess, there are moves that are not adjacent possible when you're in the back row. But once those chess pieces get moved, the possibilities become almost endless of where those pieces can go and what it can do. And that's what happened to me when I started running. Like, I can run a marathon now. Like, it, it will take loads of training and all kind of preparation to do it again, but I think it's possible because I overcame it in my mind. I said, I can do it, and that was it. And it's so important when we talk about serving others to think of these adjacent possibles because it means stepping out. It means it's going to get hard. I talk to so many people, and serving is such a big part of my life, and I want to see people step out and serve because my life has been so drastically changed by it because of you, all of you in this church. And I just think if there's more people like me out there, like the, it's just endless, the possibilities of who we can talk to and who we can serve. So, of course, I talk about this often. And one of the big boundaries that I hear often from people is that maybe some people are just made to serve. Like it's their gift, their natural gift, their servant-hearted. It's not natural to me. So I'm going to stand aside and be good, right? Maybe I'll even support them at a bit, in a distance, whether it's prayer or financially. But the Great Commission reminds us that this command of God's is for all of us to go out and love our neighbors and make disciples. So we need to start equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So the body of Christ is built up. This is for all of us. So none of us here can actually say it's not for me. You, it's actually literally for all of you, every single one of us. So I think people have some fear and concern when it comes to it because they're trying to think, like, what's this going to mean to me? How can I get into the game? How can I serve? What can I do? And I just want to encourage us today that I believe that if you take one small step to serve another human being out of love, God's going to meet you there. And the adjacent possibilities are going to blow your mind. It'll surprise you that the next thing in your life becomes possible or a new idea comes into your head. You just got to step out. Okay, so after like the longest intro of all time, I shall continue. So I got a little sidebar there. That's why the pad's here. It's trying to keep me on track so that I stay focused and I get you guys out of here on time. So we will talk today about the outward focus and serving and being faithful to this call. So something that else that trips people up is I've received this gift from God. I've accepted Jesus. So I'm just going to hold down the fort. I'm going to stay good. I'm going to do good in here. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to study the scriptures. I'm going to do my devotions. I'm going to attend Bible studies. All great. All fantastic. But faithfulness is not holding down the fort. Faithfulness is not about you. 
Faithfulness is storming the gates of hell to bring people here. Faithfulness is going and getting more people. This is God's dream. He has this banqueting table for everyone. In Revelations, we see that this dream, his dream is that people from every tribe, every nation, and every, t- every tongue will gather and worship as one. That every language will be spoken there. And that's a massive dream. And we really need to step it up and get into the game to make that happen. We need to be engaged. The world has given God a bad rap. That's on us. That's not on him. That's on us. So the first take home about serving today. And funny enough, when I'm writing all this, and, and there's all these take homes and these things, almost everyone when you're serving actually ends up benefiting you in the long run. And it's kind of funny how that ends up happening. So the very first one on the slide is serving reminds us of our identity. So I'm going to give you some reasons of why we should serve and why it should be part of your, do- your walk. So when we step out, of, uh, step out and serve, we may be attacked by the enemy or people might be telling you, like, you're not good enough to serve. Maybe you don't have time to serve. That's a pretty popular one these days. Who are you to, who are you to even speak on God's behalf? What do you even have to offer that matters to anyone? Well, in 2 Corinthians, it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So you, me, we, are fully sanctioned by the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We are his hands and his feet on this earth. He's choosing to do his work, speak his word, draw people in through you. And that's an honor. And in the Bible, there is a lot of talk of something called a signet ring. And it's kind of like a family ring. Basically, it's a checking and savings account and all the authority of the whole entire family in one ring. And we are bearers of that ring. We are his hands and feet. We have the authority. So as we step out in service and the voice of this enemy comes to discourage you or to drag you down or make you feel like you have nothing to offer, you need to remind yourself and the enemy, no, no, no. This is wrong. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Check out my ring. He liked it, and he put a ring on it. I know, I had to do it. I've been saying all week when I was talking about it, I was like, how do I even know this song? I don't listen to Beyonce. But there's my Beyonce reference, and there's actually quite a few of them in here, which is super weird. But anyways, I was hoping Saturday could appreciate it at least, but... Come on, Saturday. There was no love there at all. Okay, so (laughs) everywhere we go, we're his agents. And everywhere we go, we're taking him with us. So this is the part that you need to remember because it's not all about literally physically doing something for someone, which means there are other boundaries that people have come to talk to me about. So the big one is they think in order to serve that you need to leave this city or leave the country. And so many people are like, well, I don't want to go to Africa. I don't feel like going to Africa. And some people will be called to Africa. But I'm not saying that that's what you need to do to serve. Service means that you're taking God's presence with you everywhere you go. His Holy Spirit, wherever you go, if you're there and you're a believer, he is in you and you are taking it everywhere you go. And we encounter people all the time. All the time. 
I mean, unless you just sit at home and watch Netflix, like, 24-7. But you have to get out to work usually at least, right? Right now, you're encountering people right now, right this moment. So we can serve people anywhere we are because we're taking God's presence with us. And he loved to serve. He loves to serve. Jesus came to the earth and blew everyone's minds. They wanted this radical military leader. And he kept saying, no, I've come to serve. I've come to give. And they were like, no, come to take. Come to reclaim. And he said, no, I've come to serve and I've come to give. And you have that same spirit in you. And I get asked a lot of times, especially when people first become Christians, what can you do to get closer to Jesus? My answer will always be to serve and to love. Hands down. You can read all the scripture, all everything, and that's all great. And I'm not saying that, but are you doing it? If you set out to find one scripture in your life right now and you were to spend the rest of your life just actually fulfilling that, I think that would be better than memorizing the whole Bible. Because it is so hard sometimes to do some of the things that are in there. So as we're serving, it reminds us of our identity. So God's writing this story, this amazing story, through you. Your story is not the same as my story. No one can worship God like you did. No one can worship for you. No one can serve others in the unique way that you've been shaped and gifted to serve. And that unique act of worship, or that, that unique act of service, is worship back to God. So don't withhold it from him. Even if it feels awkward or weird. And awkward's been my word all month. <laughs> because I feel awkward, like you know, 50% of the time. So um, this pastor, I was listening to a sermon, and it was actually about prayer. And he started, he started talking, and he said almost all the awesome that ever was in his life came from being awkward. Well, I started thinking about, like, think that for a second. All the awesome in my life came from awkward. Think about it. Because even if I think it can be true to serving, but I think it can be true to your life, um, when you serve, it's awkward and it's hard and it takes this leap of faith sometimes. But even things in life, like what about proposing to your soon-to-be wife, your girlfriend? It's awkward. Planning this whole big thing, super awkward. But when they say yes and you have this life together, it could be the most amazing thing in your entire life. So I'm going to show you a picture of Montreal. Well, there's a few. These a few of my clips of awkward to awesome. I'm going to explain them. So first of all, Montreal, we went there two years ago now, and I led this team there. I never led a team anywhere in my life, not for a mission trip. It was so incredibly awkward. We all, all those people right there, slept in a basement on the floor. Awkward. Say, oh, so, so awkward. Okay, maybe not the little kids. The little kids were just part of the thing, but... It was super awkward. Uh, Pastor Ethan and myself had both gone. We were the, like, the staff that had gone. I'd never done a mission trip with him. We didn't know how it was going to work. But everything ended up being so incredibly awesome. And then my own personal life, I decided to go back to school in my 30s. Okay, that's awkward enough already. But let me just add, my daughter's there too. Okay? 
She might be doing a different certificate, different diploma than me, but the fact of the matter is, is some of the students that attended here and her, they'd be in my class. Okay? Super, super awkward. But I cannot tell you how special and amazing it was on graduation day when I was there with her. Right? And it just felt like this. Many of you know I had Paige when I was very young. I've shared that before. I was 18 years old. And I graduated grade 12 with her. I was pregnant and had her. And I had to go back to school and whatever. And this picture is special because I was at grade 8, 12 grad with her. And now I graduated college and she's by my side once again. I don't know. It was just a, an amazing moment that I couldn't have set up myself. That God just used something that shouldn't have been maybe. And just, it was amazing. And then the last one is, how about when I first became a Christian, telling everybody that. Talking about Jesus, talking about going to church, talking about worship, telling my parents, telling my sisters, trying to be cool about it. Super awkward. But my sister was baptized with her daughter a few months later. I got to baptize my mom and baptize my other sister a couple months ago. Now, is that awesome? All that awkward was so incredibly, incredibly awesome. And thank you, because I think that that awkward is an incredible, incredible word that that pastor said, because when you step out, you just don't even know what's going to happen. That's all I'm going to tell you. And even when you think that nothing's happened there, like maybe you think that a certain thing should have come out of what you did and you can't see it. Like what you were hoping for didn't matter or didn't happen. But believe that there is a sown, you've sown a seed in that person. And that awesome may come and you just might not know about it. And that's entirely fine too. So next, our faith is increased as we serve. I'm going to prepare you for another Beyonce reference. So get ready. Okay? And this was not planned. This all came after. Okay? I read something online about an orthodox seed. This seed has staying power. It's a survivor seed. I'm a survivor. Come on. Anyways, it just goes to show what pop culture gets into your head because I don't even listen to Beyonce. So I'm just making that clear. So it's a survivor. It can handle this intense heat intense freezing, and in 1963-64, there was conflicts in my study of which the actual year was. There was an excavation of King Herod's palace near Masada, Israel, and one of the most unique things were found there. When they were excavating, they found a sealed jar of seeds. They had no idea what these seeds were, so they stored them in the university. And in 2005, a university student saw the seeds in the university and said, what's going on with these seeds? Let's see what's going on with these seeds. So he planted them. And after a number of weeks, the seeds sprouted. And these seeds were dated back to 155 BC. Like 2,000 plus years old. In a jar underground for 2,000 years. Like, I don't know, that just shocks, it just, I think that's crazy. So then the seeds grew and they germinated. You can see um, a slide here. She'll show you a picture here. They germinated and it birthed into what became a Judean date palm, palm, which all scientists and biologists believed at the time were completely instinct. 
and then now suddenly they're graphing it in with other date palms. They're, they're growing more of them. It becomes this living thing in three years, and it grows to be 10 feet tall and is now the grandfather of all these new ones, this thing that didn't even exist. And I think when you step out in service, our faith is increased as we sow these seeds. And what you might not know is going to happen will still happen. Something will sprout from that. But I believe that there is an orthodox seed of faith and service in every single one of you here. Everyone. And a lot of people, they might not know what that seed is or what it looks like, but God wants to reveal it to you. So maybe you've tried something and it's been like a mega failure. So you've kind of buried it down so that you could just forget about it. Maybe you did step out once. But God's saying, no, 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 no. It's alive. It's there. There's life. It's ready to burst forth. It's in there. Or maybe you're just ready for something new. Maybe you've been part of the church for a really long time. Uh, maybe you're not sure what you have to offer. Maybe you're older or you have physical restrictions and you can't do what you used to do. Uh, maybe you're just wondering, like, what can I do in this seasons of my life? Like, I have four kids and I have both have jobs and we do this. And Like, where can I plug my place in? Like, what can I do? And God wants to reveal that to you. Because not everybody's service is just in this building. It can be in so many different areas. My sister, she works with in a home that has all different kinds of uh, physical and mental disabilities. And um, Paul, who always sits in the front row, he actually comes on Fridays and stuffs all those seat pockets in front of you every single Friday. Right, Paul? Yep. Yep. And Shireen really wanted to get her house involved. So they all started making cookies for this week. But it wasn't just what was happening with all of the men in the house. It turned into a competition between all of her staff. Like, I'm going to make 200 cookies. How many are you going to make? And it became this thing. And what you don't realize is something so simple plants such a seed. These women that she works with who don't come here come to Sister Life. And it plants these little things that we can do. So I just want you to know there's something for everybody. Um, I think her faith should be increased because I think God would say to each one of you, just sow a seed and then step back and let it grow. Let them show up. Give them that opportunity. I'm going to do something really amazing if you're just willing to serve. Take a step of faith. So when you think about today's message and you wonder, like, what the heck was she talking about? I remember Beyonce. That was it. That was all I remember. I'm telling you to remember about the orthodox seed, <laughs> not Beyonce. Remember about the orthodox seed. And then remember that that seed's inside you. It's there somewhere. And just ask God, what is it? Like, what can I do? How can I step out in service this week? Pastor John's asked us for this outward focus. So here's a baby step. Let's just start with the week. And just say, like, is there something new I can try? Or, or how can I serve somebody around me? How can I reach into the neighborhood somehow? Or reach into maybe a family relationship that just needs a little TLC, needs a little bit of extra love. Maybe there's a way you could engage in the city of Saskatoon. Or even stretching it further. How about the nation? Because who knows what's possible? Remember what I said about the adjacent possible? 
nothing changing is, like, I mean, nothing, <clears throat> nations changing may seem like a big deal and look like it's absolutely impossible for us to change Saskatoon or to change a nation. But when we were, when we're all engaged in serving, every one of us, and it becomes your lifestyle, your lifestyle. These new boundaries are going to be pushed and pushed and pushed. And I believe even a city and even a nation can be changed. I truly believe it. And how amazing would it be if God wanted to do that through us? Us. These sinners, these... Us. And he does want to do it, and I know he can do it. So our faith is extremely increased as we serve. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? Doesn't that sound like a trustworthy person? Someone that we can trust? Let your faith increase by nothing else but the trustworthiness of Jesus Christ. And Jesus and the fact that he wants to even water this seed in your heart, I mean, like, is amazing. Next, this is the hard one. Serving requires a step of obedience. So in Exodus 3, many of you are familiar with the story, but I'm going to run it down for you. Moses has killed an Egyptian slave driver. And then he fled to the desert for fear of his life and shame for what he did. Now, he's been in the desert for over 40 years tending sheep. He was a shepherd on the backside of the desert. He doesn't even know at this point, but God is going to use him and prepare him because he wants him to go back and rescue the nation of Israel from Egypt and take them to the promised land. And a shepherd would know the weather patterns of the desert. They would know where to find food in the desert. They would know where to find water in the desert. He was uniquely equipped and built for this, and he didn't even know it. And so God shows up, many of us know, in a burning bush. Clearly, he needed to get his attention, and he got it. And he tells Moses, what's in your hand? If there's any part of my message you're about to listen to, this is when you want to wake up. What is in your hand? Well, he's a shepherd. He's got a staff in his hand. So he tells him to throw it down, it becomes a snake, and then pick it up, and it would become a staff again. I'm going to use what's in your hand, okay? Your unique shape, your spiritual gifts, who you are, your personality, your desires, your loves, your hates, kind of what you're uniquely shaped for. And I'm going to use it to show my miracle working power and glory all over the world. And I think God says that to us today, and I, I just, it speaks to me so loud, because what's your shape? Because it's different than mine. What's your spiritual gift? It's different than mine. What's your heart about? What are you interested in? What are some really unique life experiences that you've gone through that have gotten you to where you are today? What's in your hand? What's in it? How about the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000? It was more than 5,000, but we know the story. The part that always sticks out to me the most, which of course it was a miracle, but the thing that 
sticks out to me the most is the part when Jesus, um, it says in the book of Matthew that I'm going from, is when the disciples ask Jesus where we can get enough food to feed this huge crowd. And Jesus asked him, how much bread do you have? What do you have? What do you have? What do you all have? Because I'm telling you right now, if you're willing to give it to Jesus, nothing but multiplication. Just like in that one, he is going to multiply what you have, but you need to bring it to him. So God wants us, wants to use you and me to serve other people. And that's a huge, huge, huge part in this kingdom. And we need to be willing to hand it over. Another part of this that's a little bit more of a challenge, and it was for Moses, God then tells him to go back and speak on his behalf. So this is the part that trips us all up, okay? Go and speak on my behalf. Be my voice to Pharaoh. And we, we know that Moses, or if you don't, he had a stuttering problem. He didn't speak very well at all. So he felt like this was one of his biggest perceived weaknesses and can't possibly part, be part of God's plan to use my speaking voice, my stuttering voice, to go back in front of that crazed maniac and start talking and stuttering in front of everybody in the palace? No way. And God tells him, don't you know that I created your mouth? Even what you think is a perceived weakness, I'm not afraid to use that. I can use that for my great big glory as well. And so I just want you to know that the step of obedience is the hardest one. Trust me, there's many times that I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Some, I just feel like sometimes it's just too hard at first, right? Um, if you're willing to do it, though, and I'll promise you it'll be scary, and it'll be freaky or awkward, like I said before, but if you're willing to give what's in your hand, I'm telling you, because the stuff in your hand from the staff that I was talking about, that's the easier part, because that's usually something you're good at, something you do as a job, something that becomes natural. But are you willing to step out at any cost to do some of the hard stuff? Like speak on his behalf, get out of the boat in the middle of the storm, willing to step out and be as awkward as it comes. I always think, I, I, we, I spoke at the Primrose Chateau at the retirement home up the road, and we were talking about obedience, and this is the story that always kills me the most, <laughs> makes me laugh the most. So Jonah, Jonah and the whale, people know, Jonah and the great big fish, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, but Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh, so he ends up in the belly of a whale for a few days, then he gets puked out onto a beach, goes back to God, and is like, Wah! and what does God say? Go to Nineveh. It's kind of hilarious, really. We take all these side steps in life, backwards, forwards, all over the place, when if we just would have done what we were told in the very beginning, I won't be swallowed up by a whale. Or maybe you need to go through that, but you still get back to what he told you to do. And this can be about speaking the good news to others around you, letting your light shine, but being, you have to be sensitive to the opportunities. And let me say that to you. I believe in boldness. I truly do. 
but I also believe that you can hurt somebody when you're not sensitive to their surroundings, okay? So I'm not saying you can't say what you want to say. Of course you can. But just maybe there's a time and a place and a moment, depending what they're going through, before you jump right in. So just keep that in mind a little bit. So um, since this service takes a big, big step of obedience, you're going to put yourself out there. And I'm going to tell you that you might not even get served back. You might not get recognition. But that doesn't matter. That's not why God's asking you to serve. You might not even see the fruit of what you do you've done. But that doesn't matter either because that's not why he's asking you to do it. He's asking you to serve out of love. I'm pouring in you so others will know. Let me serve through you. When we do that, I believe the obedience honors God so much and he's so attracted to that that he can't help but show up on our behalf. And he shows up and he just makes everything so, so good. And so, so much better than we ever could have imagined. So we can take these simple steps of obedience, and I believe that he can show up in these powerful ways, and that he's also going to multiply it, just like the bread and the fish. So Moses, he said, sure. He went back, and he was going to try. But he was kind of like dragging his feet, and he's like, I need my brother to help. So God's like, okay, take Aaron with you, take your brother, but just go. And he went. He finally did, and God released the nation of Israel. And the coolest thing is Moses got a front row seat to some of the coolest stuff in the Old Testament. Like he literally saw the Red Sea splitting. That's pretty cool. A nation had been released from bondage. Can you imagine the worship that would have happened the first few nights they were all camping before they started complaining? I mean, and that's life, like... Yeah, it's like, yay, this is so great, and then you always have something negative to say, right? But anyways, I think it would have been pretty spectacular. So when I told you before, like, I'm trying to inspire myself as well with little things, and I'd encourage you to start there. Start with something little. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to Africa. Just little, little steps. Just try it out, and I believe he'll meet you there, he'll encourage you, and you can move to the next one. So, my last point. Unity strengthens our service. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. We're made for a mission. God's made us for a mission. And his vision is much better than ours. He's always thinking multiplication when we're constantly thinking addition. And his plan is massive for one person. Not one lone ranger can pull it off. It's impossible. It takes a bunch of believers linking arms and takes the whole body of Christ getting in the game together, teaming up. And the unity that these verses tell us about, that unity it's by that unity that we will be known as set apart. It is by that unity that people will be attracted to you and think, what's different about these people? That unity. Because just in case you need a reminder, we are not against each other. I don't care what so-and-so did last night. 
We are in this together. It's about the unity of Christ. I am so tired of talking to people who aren't sure what they think about the church, and they say to me, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Did you ever think that? I thought that before I came here. And the thing that I like to tell people is we're all sinners, and we're going to make mistakes. I'm not saying that. But why don't we build each other up? Why don't we support each other and love each other, no matter how they parent their child, no matter what their past is, no matter how sick they are. Instead, that's how they know who we are. I want to be like that person. When they see you and they see the love that you put out, the service that you put out, and that you're, there's no way that people won't be attracted to it. So I'm going to close with this last verse from 2 Peter. And I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to tell you just a couple things I drew from it. So from Simon Peter, a slave, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have been granted a faith just as precious as ours. May grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of one who called us by his own glory and excellent excellence. Through these things, he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises, so that by means of what was promised, you, have may, you may become partakers of the divine nature. After escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire, so for this, reason, for this very reason, make every effort to add your faith excellence to excellent knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly affection, to brotherly affection, unselfish love. So the first thing that kind of blew my mind when I read this this week was Peter starts this letter, and it's to all of us. So next time you read it, or someone reads it to you, it is directed at you, like it's literally being written for you. Peter stood with Jesus. Peter lived with the king of kings. Peter watched Jesus do miracles. Peter had no idea what was in store from him when Jesus said, come and follow me. He had no idea. Peter had no categories for the miracles that he was about to witness. No categories for the blind eye seeing. No categories for walking on water. And now he is up against Jesus and the adjacent possible and is blowing doors open all over the place. And now Peter says, this is to everyone out there who has obtained faith and completely equal standing with me and with those of us who are with him. This should encourage you. We're in equal standing with Peter. Peter. He was the cornerstone of the church on earth after Jesus left. He was... Peter was the voice, the, the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit. First filling of the Holy Spirit, and Peter just started speaking. He's the man. I really wish that that was a Beyonce reference, because it would have been an awesome way to close, but it's not. And he's saying, so 
but he's not. He's like, hey, we think Peter might be the guy, the man of the hour. But he's, he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not. We're all in equal standing. That means I'm not better than Paul. Paul's not better than Bailey. Bailey's not better than Barb. Barb's not better than equal standing. Equal. You might be loved uniquely, but you're also, we're all equal. So, what is, why do I bring this all up? Well, because I'm telling you that one of the other things I always hear about is that you're not good enough to serve. Or you start to compare with people. I'm not going to serve because that guy's more equipped than me. They went to school. They're smarter than me. That guy's got more time. He's more fit. He's more, whatever the reason is, we need to get into the game because we're all in equal standing. God has given you a gift that you are to use. It is not the same as mine. So in verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to each of us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. So all the things that we need to live a godly life, to serve others, the tools are there. You've been giving them. They're in your toolbox. We all have them. And if you came here today and started hearing me talk about service and thought, oh my goodness, she just wants me to do more work. Or I don't have what it takes. You're wrong. You have the tools in that kit. And just ask God how you can step out and use those tools that are in your hands. Is it serving the church? Because often we don't have enough people around here to cover things. Is it inviting someone to Alpha? Alpha starts next week. Maybe there are people that are designed for our church body that aren't even here yet. Maybe that's why there's holes. And in verse 5, make every effort to supplement your faith and virtues. And then all these virtues are action words. Loving others. Just make the effort. When I read this today, I think it's saying, just go and do some stuff. Go do something. Anything. It doesn't matter if it feels awkward or are we called to this or are we equipped for this. We've got God with us. And in us. I've been thinking about this all month. And I'm talking like right in our home. Ask yourself, can you serve your husband better? Can you serve your kids better? Maybe your friends. Maybe your parents. Maybe the church. Maybe the school. Maybe the community better. And I could keep going. Like better is better, right? Like there's got to be a place that we, can, that we can work in and love on that just needs to get better. I'm going to share a quote with you. I'm sure you guys have all heard it because it goes around on Facebook a lot. Um, Only one la life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So this was spoken by a man named C.T. Studd, and he was a cricket player, a really good one, in England. And he left to go out into the munition fields in the Congos in the 1800s. And I think I read somewhere that it took him like seven months, a year, like a really long time to even get to where he needed to go. And he understood that the life that we have here on earth is fleeting, and it's moving on. But what we leave behind, that 
orthodox seed of service, that stuff lasts forever. It lasts well after we're gone and we've left this earth. If I do something alone, sure, it's good. It's a step, right? We're going to further the kingdom. But what if I include my husband? He has giftings that I don't have, and it multiplies our strength. What if, and unity, then what if I add my children? Now, they're learning to serve too. They're younger than us, so they always have cooler ideas than us. And we're going to just serve, and it becomes this generational thing, this generational value that's important to them, that's instilled in their hearts, that you can do this, and we can find ways to serve. It just takes those small steps of obedience. I'm going to ask the worship band to come back up. So those small obediences like Moses, he had no idea of the big stuff ahead, right, when he took those steps. So well, as the worship team comes up, we're going to pray here in a minute. But I would like you to pull out the connection card that you were given. You were given this as you came in. If you didn't and you need one, you're going to put your hand in the air and they're going to give you one. Because I want everyone to physically have one in their hand. So if you don't have one, just put your hand up. And Peter's right here and he's going to come around because I'm sure we would have missed a few people. So it's got our outward focus on the front. On the back, it looks kind of like a regular connection card. Uh, so if you're new with us today and you haven't had a chance to fill out the one in front of you, you can always fill this one as well. And these are the few items that are still left um, for us to cover for this week. So I'd like you to look at it, hold on to it, and just see, is there something on this list that you could help us with this week? And maybe there isn't. But maybe there's somebody that you want to invite to Alpha for next week. We've left a little bit of a blank spot at the bottom. So if there is another way that you would like to serve that we're not accommodating on here, you just need to let us know, and we'll find a way. So if you have a different idea for the community, write it on there. If you have something that you want to do in this church, write it on there. Maybe you have an idea of somebody who needs help or that we could give things to. Write it on there. You don't have to complete those ones. But I just want you to, for this week, this is your challenge. We were challenged last week with prayer, and we all showed up. This week we're being challenged for outward focus. So let's show up. Let's see what that means. So I just want to, so, and then you can just either put them in the plates as you leave. They're on the stage, as well as there's ones on the back. And we'll collect them all. Um, I just want to bless this orthodox seed that I talked about in your heart. I want you to feel inspired to go and actually try something this week. So whether it's from the list that I pr we provided here in the community or in the church or in your home or on your block, wherever, I just want you guys to think about serving. But I want you to understand that service um, shouldn't, it should flow out of love. So we're not trying to guilt you into anything today, if that's what you feel. Okay? We're not trying to guilt you into doing more for the church or, or more for God for that matter. We don't want that. But I want you to experience is the great love of Jesus that comes out of service 
that overflows. Once you've been loved as much as Jesus loves you, it is a natural next step. He's flowing in you. So if you've got all this love and it's just pouring and pouring and pouring and it's endless, it's bound to come out of you. It should seep from your pores through your eyes to the top of your head. Because I believe if you really know how much Jesus loves you, there is absolutely no way, no way you wouldn't want to do the same for someone else. So the challenge... Let's go be the church. Pastor John says it at the end of every single one of his services. You've had church, now go be the church. And I think it's important. I was talking to my cousin last night, and he said to me, he's like, you know, I really don't think that you have to be in a building to go to church. And he may be right, and he, he is. In Scripture... Church never means building, ever. When it's translated, they're always talking about people. Yes, we represent the neighborhood church, and I'm proud of it. But the church is people, loving people. Like, you're so intoxicating with your love that they can't help but not be drawn. Even if you're not too sure yet what you believe and what you do, what is it going to hurt to love somebody? What? Because I'm telling you, anytime I've done it, I usually end up benefiting somehow. We know you enjoyed this teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. Or if you want to give it a distance, or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705-230-8977. Through that little portal, you can give or tithe or even give to missions. For any more information about the Neighborhood Church, you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org. God bless you and have a great week.